Welcome to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast where you'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening today. I'm pleased to welcome my good friend, Scott Plum. How are you doing, Scott? I'm well, Dan. Great to be with you and your listeners. Thanks for the time together. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for making time out of your busy day to do this. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Scott. What's your story? Sure, sure. I've been uh, in sales since 1987, and uh, through that journey, I've boiled down to concentrating on what I enjoy most, which is working with companies and individuals on improving their sales skills and results. My focus is primarily on understanding the the complete interaction between buyers and sellers and defining and determining the best value for both. This usually falls into two categories, uh, and it's basically learning what to do and then removing some of those barriers on doing it. So I find that it's a combination of you don't know or you don't do, and sometimes people know but don't do, and sometimes people do but they don't know so they know (laughs) know how to learn how to do so my my book is titled taking off into the wind creating lift out of life and it's for people who need to create convincing conversations uh, about overcoming adversity mostly for salespeople but it's not about selling Hmm. interesting why did you decide to write a book i wanted to capture my thoughts into um, text and be able to put those ideas down so that I could remember what I thought of. It's kind of the older I get, the more I forget. And putting stuff into a book really helps me capture what I know, reminds me. And it's also an outlet for me to be able to share some of my opinions, some of the, the lessons that I've learned, and to be able to see how much I've grown over time. When I, when I read the book later or I'm going to put together a talk and I can look at my book and figure out different topics that I want to talk about, it just reminds me of, of stuff that I already know. Wow, those are great ideas. I, I've done 47 of these podcasts, and I think that's the first time someone has mentioned that internal growth. That's, that's very cool. Um, so your topic, tell me that you're a sales trainer kind of guy, mm-hmm. but this yep. is not a sales trainer book. Uh, tell me more about what the book is and why you decided to go off script, so to speak, by not sure. writing yet another yeah. sales book. You've, uh, I've, I've looked at some of your past podcasts, and you've had some great authors on there, and, and they, they generate great content. They put out a great book about selling, and we don't need another book about selling. I really believe that <laughs> what salespeople struggle with the most is overcoming adversity. And if we can overcome adversity through our beliefs, learning new techniques, trying the new techniques, applying what we know, getting a better outcome, not getting the outcome we want, learning what we need to do different, applying what we've grown to be able to apply, we become better. And I believe a salesperson is one that has an impact on the experience and an influence in the outcome. And most of us have a goal in a conversation, if it be a family member or a business associate or with a prospect, to be able to have an impact on the experience and influence the outcome. You want them to enjoy the conversation and you also want them to do something different after it. So how did you find the content to motivate people in this way? Boy, through my own personal experiences and struggles, um, I'm 
I'm a learner. So out of the five strengths, learner is number one. I feel strong when I'm learning. So I feel strong when I'm reading a book. I feel strong when I'm listening to a podcast. And like most speakers, when they're talking to an audience, they would tell an audience, don't write down what I say. Write down what you thought of with what I said. And when I'm listening to a podcast, watching a video, webinar, etc., I'm writing down stuff that I'm thinking of during the content. It's, it's one of our, the lines from our good friend Mark LeBlanc, inspired friction. So we create some inspired friction as a speaker, as a trainer. Our audience ends up thinking about something. They learn something, and they apply something new and different when they leave the room. Can you give me an example? Sure. I think one of the things that I struggle with the most is a high need for approval. I want to be liked um, by my prospects. I want to be liked by people. And what I've learned is when I do that, I end up becoming subordinate to their plan. Now, that doesn't mean that I, I don't support their plan. I want to support their plan. But sometimes the problem the prospects bring me is not the real problem. There's underlying issues. And if I don't have the guts and courage to be able to dig a little deeper, to earn the respect from my prospect, I hesitate. I follow their plan. I don't deliver the outcome that they want because I am providing greater content, greater experience, greater knowledge to a situation, but I have the guts and courage to be able to challenge them. If I don't challenge them, I don't change them. So really think about whose approval do you seek? Who do you want to be like? Do you want to stop it being liked or do you want to earn their respect? So earn their respect and not stop just being liked. I think you're going to have better conversations, deeper conversations, more valuable conversations. And think about the people that you deal with, that you work with. Do you work with somebody that you don't like? Well, in some cases, yeah. Have you ever bought from somebody that you don't like? Yeah, I have because I respected them. And I know that their authority in a certain area, I might not like them, but I respect them. Hmm. Wow. I love the passion you have in your voice. This is a uh... A great presentation style you have. So, uh, thank you. A little offhand comment there. Look, let's let's talk about uh, writing the book itself. What problems did you have writing the book? Because uh, again, you're not a professional writer. You're, you're no, a professional I'm not. Salesman. I'm far from it. Yeah, I'm far from <laughs> so, it. So, 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 tell us it, about it, that journey. It, it really started with looking at what is the kind of reader that I want to attract, and and I and I really have two customers that I serve. I serve clients that hire me. And I serve customers, which are the salespeople that end up reading the book, attending a seminar, class, a webinar, etc. So I really have to write a book based on those two audience and know that the attention span that, that most people have is you know five minutes or less. So I keep short chapters. I concentrate on my writing. And I've been told that by many people that it's really concentrated on, on when I write something. And I want to write a book that I want to read. One of our good friends, Mike McKinley, once told me the best book somebody can read is one that they wrote. And they enjoy it. And they learn something from it. And that's how I write is I want to be able to remind myself of the content that I know and I want to be able to deliver it in a concise way where I can make the point quickly and the reader can do something different when they're done reading it. So that, that is my goal. So I keep short chapters. I touch on topics that are a little outside the line, so to speak. Um, I'm grateful that I've come up with some very snappy titles that really cause people to think about it. One of them is... You know, do you have a Dead Sea thinking or a Sea 
Sea of Galilee thinking. I mean, some companies <laughs> just have a Dead Sea culture. Well, we bought these curriculums in 1976, and there's no reason for us to change. Dead Sea thinking, people. Mm-hmm. The Sea of Galilee is alive. The Jordan River is going through it. There's constantly new information that's being introduced to the Sea of Galilee. Another one is sink or sink. Either you sink with what's going on in the marketplace, update your content, update your sales skills, create a, a culture where your sales team is constantly adjusting, or you sink like a ship would sink and not adapting to the marketplace. You know, it's constantly changing. Salespeople need to change. You don't change, you get left behind and you sink. Those are a couple of examples, man. Thank you. Well, fantastic. I love those examples. They're very expressive and they paint nice pictures so we can imagine them. Fantastic. What other advice would you give to executives and thought leaders who are writing books? Well, I think we really need to dwell on our personal experiences. You know, Les Brown said, I just love this line. He said, make a point, tell a story. Make a point, tell a story. Make a point, tell a story. Do that at least three times. That is a really good mantra to think about. And I, I, I've noticed that most speakers, most authors really write about some of their personal challenges that they've experienced in their lives. For me, like I said, high need for approval is something that has held me back. So what do I do when I work with a salesperson? Unfortunately, I also have empathy as a strength. So I'm a learner and I have empathy. Since I'm firstborn, I also have responsibility intellection, and connectedness, which are also great skills. But I really work on being empathetic with the reader, being empathetic with the person that's hiring me, empathetic with the audience that's listening to me, and know that that's where we're starting as a salesperson is we need to be empathetic. So we need to be able to know what it's like to be the prospect in the conversation. Because I really like to work on developing a complete understanding about the conversation between a buyer and seller so that we can offer the most value. That's what people buy. They buy what's most relevant in the marketplace. You have a problem. You deliver a solution. Solution sticks to a problem. Most relevant, most valuable. They're paying a market price. You're not selling on price. You're selling on value. So I I work with salespeople to have greater conversations, greater respects for themselves, and for the leadership to be able to have greater confidence in their sales team so that the leadership can convert those opportunities that leadership sees in the marketplace to closed commitments. Sales teams out there have to go out into the marketplace. Leadership needs to coach, advise, direct them to be able to convert those new opportunities to closed commitments. Fantastic. Um, Final question about writing. Uh, What do you wish you knew now that you didn't know when you started writing? Wow, I wasted a lot of time trying to edit my own book. (laughs) (laughs) I I never learned to drive when there are roundabouts. And I got into a roundabout trying to edit my own book. And it was really a waste of time and it was a waste of energy. I'm also firstborn, as I mentioned earlier, so I'm a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. So nothing was ever complete. I kept editing and editing and editing. And then I'd think of a new thought and I'd want to update an article or chapter or something like that. I'd stop. I just handed it over to an editor and I said, here it is. You know, take the twos and does and the typos that I've created in it, but don't change my voice. 
keep my voice in the book. I don't want it to sound like it was not me because I wanted to emulate a presentation and my voice. And, and that's what a great editor does. Exactly. You know, I work as a developmental editor with a number of clients and they all have grammatical problems. I mean, we all do. Um, yeah. they, 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 I was a newspaper reporter and I learned a few more grammatical tricks and rules that most people don't know. So when I see something, I can easily spot it and cut out extra words that don't add anything. And, you know, it's not a superpower. It's a learned skill. And a human being can do that. And software can do that. And I found a a software program called Pro Writing Aid that will find hundreds of different rules that you break and whatever. And I would tell my clients, you know, you use this word instead of that word. That's incorrect. And they say, okay. And the next week they give me a new chapter and they break the same rule again. They're like, okay, you can only throw your... To, to throw advice against the wall so many times before you just stop. But exactly. at the end exactly. of the book, when, the, when they finally finish their first draft, I say, you know, you can either pay a copy editor to go back and correct all those things that I mentioned before, or you can try using pro writing aid and go through that and, and see what it flags. So I've had two clients do this so far and I, my hat is off them because it's a lot of work. Because yeah. pro writing it will easily find a thousand different things to correct. You know, active it. passive voice to active voice, mm. subject verb agreement, missing words. You know, things that have to wow. be corrected. Uh, and yeah. they they do the laborious process of correcting it, and they thank me afterwards because they've realized what a professional editor does. But right. they either have to pay the editor or do it themselves. Because uh, and as a result, one 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 book was actually published. And one reviewer, the other one is still in process, but the one that was published, one reviewer said, this is a very well-written book. And I wow. sort of had this big smile on my face that, yeah, all the, it was really worth it. You know, my editing, his editing, we, yeah. we, we put it all together. So yeah, it makes a big fun. difference. really yeah, does. Definitely. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that about, uh, about the editing and finding a, a good editor because there are two kinds of editors. There are developmental editors, which is what I do, which is the higher level thinking. Then there are the copy editors and proofreaders who look for the typos and the grammar right. mistakes and things like that. Well, which, it uh, boils down to your reputation. What kind of reputation do you want to have as an author? Somebody gets your book and there's a bunch of typos in it. And I've read books with typos and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I don't know. This person didn't have it edited. Yeah. What, were they being cheap? They, they didn't think that the reader was worth it. And I'm grateful that I have a great editor. So thanks, Dave. Yeah, exactly. Because that rubs off on your reputation. Because if yeah. someone reads a book, a lot of people on my podcast have said this. People will read the book and they say, I get this guy. He thinks the way I think. I understand his process. And if they think your process is full of typos and full of errors, they're going to say, Oof. well, I guess that's the kind of project they're going to do for me. That's not going to yeah. be a lot of fun. So. Yeah. Definitely, definitely good. So let's turn over to marketing now. How did you use your Mm. book in marketing to get new clients? Well, it usually starts when I get an incoming call or an email from somebody that's thinking about hiring me and they want to kind of get a sample of what I believe, what I know, what I think, my process. And I send them a copy of my book and I say, you know, why don't I send you a copy of my book? Take a look at it. If you like the book, you like me. If you don't like the book, we've saved each other a lot of time and money because I'm going to emulate what's in my book. That's the content. That's the stories. That's my position when it comes to the responsibility of a salesperson with the obligations of leadership when it comes to leading a sales team. If there's a mismatch between the two, I'm not going to be a good speaker. I'm not going to be able to support the goals that you have when it comes to developing your sales team. And there's going to be a mismatch. So it really saves a lot of time. And I'm grateful that when I send the book, somebody takes a look at it. They like the book. They like me. They hire me. Everyone's happy. 
I can also use the book as reinforcement for, again, that Les Brown quote of make a point, tell a story. So I can make a point, give out copies of the book in a class, include it into the fee, and then everybody's got that reinforcement. Management teams can grab a chapter in the book and use it as a guide for a sales meeting. So there's plenty of content in there that they can reinforce. That's the adult mental the adult learning model right now is incremental growth reinforced over time. So get a sales meeting and talk about what are they going to implement this week at the end of the week at the next sales meeting, then ask your sales team, what did you do different after what we talked about last week? Here's what we're going to talk about this week. That's that incremental growth reinforced over time. And that is a good leader, a good sales leader coaching their team on a weekly basis, not just saying, well, did you make your number last week? Tell me what I should put on the board and write it down and then give everybody a hard time when they didn't make their number. We need to constantly be developing our sales team, giving them the tools they can go out in the marketplace, feel like they're prepared and adapt to the needs of the clients and prospects through the conversations that they have, but also not fall into that trap of just being liked, feeling prepared to be able to have the content they need to be able to have those good constructive conversations. Fantastic. How has the book helped you grow your business? Well, it's mostly in, in greater speaking opportunities, training opportunities. I, I did not really write the book to make a lot of money. That was not my goal. So I'm not selling a million copies. It's not in its 26th production. It's really used to be able to reinforce the content. And my goal is to have the greatest impact on salespeople in the state of Minnesota. And I don't want to limit myself to Minnesota, but I think there's so many opportunities in our great state for me to make an impact on changing salespeople's lives so that they can have better results. I think salespeople really struggle with the the process of change. and, And it all begins with a salesperson really truly believing that they deserve better results. If they don't believe they deserve better results or a better life. There's no reason for them to change. It, it's like a company culture is defined by leadership and what they're willing to tolerate. Salespeople go out in the marketplace accepting the results because they're willing to tolerate it. But if they believe that they deserve better results, they're going to seek the information. They're going to get the information. They're going to believe the information will work. Next opportunity they have, they're going to apply the new information because they deserve a better life. I want to be that, that tool. That, that instigator of a better life that they can use the book, apply the content in it, and have a better outcome. Fantastic. You know, uh, I, I read this great line in a book called The Brand Story, and it's, it says that, uh, and I adopt, adopt what they said for, for books, you know, people want to read a book to find uh, someone they know, like, and trust who yeah. can, who's helped other companies solve the same problems they have and they can work with you to overcome those problems and make them look like the hero. And mm, I think you've exactly. exemplified a lot of that in what you've just said. Yeah, Scott, as we you. wrap up here, uh, are there any other questions that I should have asked you but didn't or any final thoughts you well, have? If, if there's one comment that I can make, I'm, I'm grateful to do a weekly podcast called Get In The Door Podcast. So every week I work with Bill Hellcamp. And we deliver a podcast on um, working with salespeople, giving them the tools and techniques that they need to be able to get in the door, to have better conversations, and to close more sales. So check out the podcast, Get in the Door. Okay, great. And as we wrap up here, uh, how can people get in touch with you? And who is your target client? The easiest way is to visit my website at mnsales.com. 
uh, or feel free to pick up the phone and give us a call, 612-789-5700. An ideal client for me would be obviously a company that has salespeople. The leadership of that company believes that there are greater opportunities in the marketplace. There are more opportunities in the marketplace, and they believe they have the right people. And when you have the right people and you see opportunities, it's a matter of training them, uh, enabling them in, in a positive way, mm-hmm. not, not enabling them in a bad way, but giving them the new techniques, the new behaviors, the new attitudes, and the new beliefs to be able to go out and convert those conversations into commitments. And that's what I, I do as I work with sales team on getting them better prepared to take on more opportunities in the marketplace. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for listening to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.